Welcome to Attachment Theory in Action, a weekly podcast presented by the Knowledge Center at Chaddock. Our podcast is dedicated to therapists, social workers, counselors, and psychologists working with clients from an attachment-based perspective. Join host Karen Doyle-Buckwalter for an insightful, informative, and inspiring conversation with leading attachment theory researchers and clinicians in the field. Today, Karen welcomes psychotherapist and author Kara Hoppe to the show for part one of their conversation on her new book, Baby Bomb, a relationship survival guide for new parents, which she co-authored with Dr. Stan Tatkin. Part two will be released on November 9th. Hello, everyone. This is Karen Doyle Buckwalter from Chaddock, welcoming you back to the Attachment Theory in Action podcast. Today, we are going to be continuing our series about the book baby bomb and we are going to be interviewing the second author on the book along with stan tack and actually in reality i think she's the first author and he's the second author anyway we're going to be speaking with kara hoppy i want to tell you a little bit about her she is an ma and an mft a psychotherapist teacher feminist and mother She has spent more than a decade as an inclusive therapist working with individuals and couples towards healing and growing and becoming more grounded, integrated people to better access their own instincts, wisdom, and creativity. Wow, we should all be going to see her. She also offers virtual retreats for parents and expected couples based on the book that she's here to talk with us about today, which is Baby Bomb, a relationship survival guide for new parents. Her work has also been featured in the Atlantic, Parents Magazine, Fatherly, and Your Tango, as well as other publications. She lives with her husband and son in Pioneertown, California, and sees clients in private practice. So you are going to find Kara to just be absolutely wonderful. She is warm, she's engaging, she is interesting, and we are about to have a wonderful conversation. Stay tuned. I will be right back with Kara Hoppy author of Baby Bomb. So, hey, Kara, thank you so much for joining us here on the Attachment Theory in Action podcast. It's so great to have you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm a fan of your podcast. So this oh, is a real gift to be here. Oh, wonderful. So you have co-written a book with <laughs> Stan Tatkin called Baby Bomb. The first mm-hmm. thing I want to ask you is, how did this book come about? You know, you 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 uh, have so many great ideas in here and share so many ideas from Dr. Tackin's work and bringing it all together. So how did this whole idea come together for this book? Um, this was in the making um, for probably since I met Stan over really? 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. Wow. I mean, I had no idea we would, we would end up doing this, but, um, but we've been working together and we've been friends and colleagues for 10 years and I'm a couple therapists. I'm trained in Stan's approach, which is called um, PACT. It's a psychobiological approach to couple therapy. And working with couples is my jam. And as you probably know, Karen, like a lot of couples come to therapy about like parenting issues, things that they become parents. And I felt like I, of course, like I could help them 
But when I became a parent, a mother myself, I had the lived experience of how stressful it was to parent and partner with my own husband that um, when my son was only about nine months old, I was having dinner over at Stan's house. And I was like, you know, this is a thing. This is really challenging. Um, I think we could help people. Let's write a book about this. And he was down. Yeah. So you were like, yes, this will be great. Uh, (laughs) So I think what I'm hearing you partially at least say is, you know, now I'm looking back on a lot of ideas and suggestions I gave, but now I'm like in this myself and that's helping me evaluate what's realistic, what could work with your lived experience. Yeah, Karen, you're right. Like, yes, I was helping couples with the parenting and partnering dance pre baby bomb. But then once we had my husband, Charlie and I had Jude, our own blessed baby bomb, I was taking every tool from my couple therapist toolkit and like applying it to my own relationship with Charlie. I was like, we need to level up our marriage now that we are parents. And that wasn't something that I expected. It wasn't like something I thought about when we were putting together a baby registry, you know, talking about our birth plan, decorating the the nursery. I never thought how much having a child was going to transform my marriage. How? Yes. Yeah. It wasn't something that I anyone was talking about. And so then when we were in the thick of it, um, and by the thick of it, I mean, like having communication problems, um, we were witnessing each other in this really vulnerable place of becoming parents and helping each other out. And then sometimes not helping each other out. And then that would be like series of misattunements and, and and I was and I was like, we need like guiding principles. We need the secure functioning base that we had pre Jude. It just needed to be like leveled up or redefined now that we were parents. Like, what does it mean to be securely functioning couple as yes. parents? Yes. Well, and I think as you said, it's not talked about a lot one of the things i shared in talking to stan about the book is i did a little research on you know how baby impacts marriage and things like that versus what i've always heard impacts marriage is the other end of the continuum is empty nester oh no now that the children are gone does the couple still have something in common and you know will the marriage survive that you hear a lot about and i think that you hear a lot less about um how to prepare for a baby coming and the impact on the relationship and even when i tried to google it there was Lots of books about after the children are gone and not as many books on, you know, lots of parenting books, but Mm -hmm. not books on how will this affect the marriage and how will it affect it from an attachment perspective? Mm -hmm. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, attachment theory is like you, Karen. I mean, that's my jam. Yeah. So like immediately that was what made sense to me. I was like, you know, I, I want to provide that secure base for my husband and I want him to provide it for me. And I, we want to offer that to our child. So what does that look like on a day-to-day basis? You yes. know, how do we live that um, that goal, that nor- that moving target of providing that for everybody in the family? Yes. Yes. Well, before we move into some of your great strategies and ideas that you have in the book, that's one thing I want to tell listeners. There's a lot of really practical ideas, even though attachment theory and neuro- neuro- interpersonal neurobiology are part of it. You also have like a lot of practical ideas. But first, I wondered if you could speak to why you name why you came up with the title baby bomb <laughs> I really felt like <laughs> it just completely fit my experience Charlie's and mine experience and the couples that I work with in clinical work I mean it felt I felt like my heart exploded with love in a way that was profound um, and beautiful, very much like a bomb going off, um, like in a, in a beautiful way. I saw that, I witnessed that in my husband with his heart exploding for our son. Um, and then I felt like the life that we had before Jude was born, like it was like de- there was debris scattered everywhere of like what it used to be, the independence and the spontaneity and the control, you know, that we used to have like on the day-to-day basis, like I would kind of like, know, like my day will look like this. And then as, as any parent knows, that's one of the biggest things. It's like, your day is going to look like, I, you know, I may be, I may be in charge, but my son Jude was the boss. (laughs) Yes. So like, you know, you, like I had to learn how to be really flexible and that was like a gift of, of the debris, but it was, um, yeah. So it felt like a bomb in many different dimensions. Yes. And how long were you guys, since you're sharing so much of your personal story here and in the book, in terms of your examples, how long were you guys together before you had your baby bomb? (laughs) I think 10 years. Okay, so you had a long period of managing this relationship in a very different way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we were we were, yeah, partners in crime, lovers. We were pros. We had a solid foundation. I'd been studying with Stan. I'd learned about secure attachment. We're friends with Stan and Tracy. You know, um, all of Stan's work really resonated with Charlie as well. And so before Jude, I mean, we were actively practicing secure functioning on a day to day basis. And um And then, like I said, it had to be redefined um, what that meant once Jude was in the picture. And and we were stretched thin, you know, parents caring for for a baby. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, one of the things that I think is neat that you talk about, we're always looking for, of course, as clinicians, ways to make things easier to understand or not a bunch of psychobabble. And you talk about the different attachment patterns in Mm -hmm. colors. I thought that that was interesting. Could you share with listeners a little bit about that, uh, how you talk about that in the book, the different colors? 
the attachment Thanks. color continuum, I believe. Yeah. <clears throat> it's different, right? Yes. I mean, yeah. And I mean, it was fun figuring that out. I mean, that's based on my work as a clinician of working with so many couples and seeing them move their attachment on like I would have visualized as a clinician, they were moving their attachment on a continuum as they offered each other more and more safety and security and trust. I could see them moving from um, like an avoidant um, anxious place or an anxious ambivalent place to a more secure place. And I could see that it's not, I mean, we know this from John Bowlby, it's not a fixed state. Mm -hmm. And there's also like, I also liked with the attachment continuum. So what it is, is I just took the, the concept of attachment with the insecure and secure sides, and I made it into um, a color wheel. And so secure is yellow, um, anxious ambivalence red, and anxious avoidant is blue. But there's also, you can't see it in the book, Karen, but like the proof that the publishers got is colored. So you also have green, orange, and purple. So it really shows all the nuances of the human experience. But I also wanted to show people, um, readers, that they can move. Mm-hmm. That like at one time in their relationship, they could identify as more of an avoided attachment style. And at another time, more of an anxious ambivalent, that it mm-hmm. isn't a fixed state and that they can move each other towards the yellow, the secure state. Yes. Yes. I mean, that's the encouraging news that we all want to have is that, you know, Bowlby said that these were not easily changed, these patterns, but they are changeable. Um, they are. And you know, I love, you know, you talk about in the book, you go through a series of 10 guiding principles. And I don't think we'll have time to go through all of them. Um, Folks, you need to buy the book to see all of them. (laughs) The first one is the couple comes first. And could you share a little bit about that idea? Yeah. Yeah, that's the, yes, that's our first guiding principle and the other nine fall underneath it. Yeah. It's like, it's, it is like the North star for the whole book. And it's based on this idea for partners picking each other and having a child together that, like I said, what I, Charlie and I wanted to do, um, like our model was I'm offering partners can offer their partner secure functioning which means like shared power both partners are equally responsible for the well-being of the relationship they're in each other's care they're making decisions together they're inclusive with each other they are caring for each other's needs and they're doing that as their top priority so that they provide a secure base to each other. And so their kid can be a kid. So what they're offering their child is like, you know, mom and mom, dad and dad, or mom and dad, whatever, you know, are taking care of each other. And I don't have to worry about that. Right. I'm just going to worry about being a baby or, you know, or being a toddler or a school age kid or a tween, you know, or a teenager on and on. Like, you know, it's this whole idea that partners can do that for each other, but then also for their child. Because I think that even though it says a relationship survival guide for parents, when you open this up and see the 10 guiding 
principles. Every single one is you and your partner take care of each other. You and your partner make agreements. Everything is you and your partner. Even though I knew opening the book, it was about you and your partner. It's still shocking to see all 10 of them are about each other. You know, you still think something's going to be about the baby because I think that's so ingrained in us that it's going to be that, that is going to be the focus now. Um, And, you know, sometimes when I'm showing the strange situation or explaining what it's like for a baby, I say the secure baby can just be like, here are my needs. Somebody meet them. Like they're not adapting to the caregiver's needs where the other classifications are. And Mm -hmm. so what I hear you saying is let's sure up both parents so they can present a safe haven and a secure base for the child as much as possible with the support of one another. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, that's exactly it. So then, then they, yeah, have that sense of freedom and security and and ground. Right. So it's like, yes, it's putting the relationship first for the partners to put their relationship first, but by doing so, you're actually putting your child first. Exactly. Because you're being able to show up as a safe haven and secure base for your child more than if you're just kind of going this without support, you know, on, and even when we think of single parents, you know, needing to get support, you know, all of this information about, you know, we have the quote, it takes a village and, you know, Bruce Perry and others talk about our bodies are designed to be raised in tribes and clans. We are, and we are putting so much on the parent maybe a single parent or even so much on just the, the two people, mm-hmm. it's just too much, you know, it's too much. So I think this idea of needing to support each other because we don't have that extended system that's helping us. Mm-hmm. And even with the extended system, you know, we talk about in the book, like the extended system, um, which is imperative and it does take a village truly. And it has been really hard these last 20, nearly 20 months on parents, not having that village yes. because of the ongoing pandemic. Yes. At one point, not having, um, you know, access to grandparents or like safe childcare, always having to think about the safety of your child within like these different environments. And the only one thing that like parents can do is like take care of each other and have this like inclusive decision-making together to provide each other with support during this very uncertain time. Um, that didn't, wasn't your question. I just thought about that. Yes. Yes. Myself during the last 19 months, you know, well, we've become so, parents have become so socially isolated, even though that's a problem to begin with. And then it also many given the added responsibility of educating the child and, you know, or finding a way to somehow do this, you know, remote thing. And, you know, it's like take on more responsibility with the child with less support Mm -hmm. is really, I mean, that, that can't end up well, (laughs) you know? Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, it's a, I mean, it's a systemic, I mean, this is a pandemic, but like you said, Karen, before the pandemic, this is a systemic problem where parents are like very, I mean, parenting in America, there is very little support. Yes. And you do address that in the book, you know, as compared to other countries in terms of policies, you know, numerous times you're like, we also need, you know, overall advocacy on some of these issues because it's just too much to expect yeah. parents to handle this without more support. You know, is it any wonder that the the relationship uh, can can be a challenge um, after the baby comes? Well, something else that you talk about, I really liked how you took a lot of the ideas that are talked about in some of Stan Tacken's previous work and then applied it, you know, sort of like a before and after. So I would love to talk about a couple of those. And one of them is insider status. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then if you could explain just in, in general, like if you were just working with a couple, what that means, and then you go to in the book, um, what insider status issues could be, such as the child's sleep schedule and things like that. So let's talk about just that general concept first and then how you, you know, you overlay it with with having a baby and parenting. Yeah. So the idea in the book is based on Stan's work, which he calls it um, with for clinicians like management of thirds, having a couple manage any third, which could be like work. It could be a person, it could be an addiction, it could be a smartphone. I mean, it's just basically anything could be an animal that's not like the couple. And so, but conceptually before I wrote the book, how I would talk to the couples in my practice about it was using insider and outsider. Cause that seemed like the easiest way to explain. Yes. And I would even in working with, with couples, I would declare right off the bat, I am the outsider here you two are the insiders on your relationship. You know, I am just the hired help. (laughs) Like, (laughs) you know, like, and right there is something that's very radical for people Um, to to imagine like it's those two. And here I am, the couple therapist, like somewhat of like an authority on like relationships, relationship expert saying, I'm not the expert on you two. I'm going to help you guys be the expert on each other, but I'm, I, you know, for the safety and security of your attack, securely in function functioning, I am the outsider. Mm-hmm. So I was used to, I mean, I was used to practicing that. I'd been practicing it with Charlie and helping couples practicing with Charlie. We planned a wedding. Everybody was outsiders, but Charlie and I, and that was really like strength building and like uh, brought a lot of intimacy and trust being practicing. We're the ones making these decisions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Your mom wants to invite somebody. We're going to talk about it together. My mom wants to do this. We're going to talk about it together. And so I, you know, we naturally did that imperfectly when we had Jude was we were the insiders, all books, you know, (laughs) the many, many parenting books that are so helpful. And then, you know, they are, they're really helpful. I think it's helpful. (laughs) I think it'd be overwhelming. Yeah. Um, 
you know, those are all outsiders, you know, like we would just get into a habit of like always pausing whenever what I would hear like a suggestion about a daycare, I'm going to talk to Charlie. And that way we really strengthened our bond as teammates of always running everything by each other. Yes, yes, yes. I love it. So, so the insider status you say, here's some big parenting decisions you need to make as a couple, your child's sleep schedule, nutrition, your child's education, their activities, use of screen time, your child's health care, discipline. I mean, all of these are really big decisions that I think we're 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 not sometimes conscious of like Mm -hmm. ahead of the time before the child comes. And then you're just sort of maybe not working as a team afterwards. You could be going in different directions. Right. Cause it's so easy when a baby's born to put the relationship, the primary relationship on the back burner. I mean, it just, it's so easy how couples can fall into that, you know, and you, and then the primary parent, whether it doesn't matter what gender, but the primary parent can take on making a lot more of the parenting decisions, like these big ones, like discipline, nutrition, sleep schedule, and not including the other one, other parent in the decision or the other parent doesn't want to be included. It's like, fine, I'll like work and you do this. But ultimately, like that's not great for the relationship unless it's something that two people have thought about and they can really explain why this is good for one person to take on all of the parenting decision-making responsibilities and the other person to do that. And I mean, as long as two people have thought this out and saw it down to like, cause when it helped, it, it really, when you make the decisions together, you can enjoy the success together and you can learn from the failures together and you, and you build more trust and intimacy and connection between partners. Mm-hmm. So it's an opportunity to really deepen your relationship by making these decisions together, by coming to the table with whatever ideas you have, which is typically your first family, the way that it was done. Um, either you want to emulate that or react to that. But also it's really exciting for parents too to individuate. And they can do that together by being like, this is our family now. How do we want to co-create this ecosystem of mm-hmm. us and baby? Like, mm-hmm. what does that look like to us? And making decisions on the daily for whatever they work for right now. Because like, mm-hmm. let's face it, parenting changes. It evolves. All the time. Yeah, I think hearing you say, okay, maybe, maybe it's not your first recommendation, but maybe there is the decision that one of you is handling more of this than the other, but that should be a conscious thing. Mm-hmm. Not we're in survival mode. I'm just going to do this because I don't even have time to deal with talking to, you know, and then that can build resentment and frustration and all of that. Exactly, Karen. That's what I was saying. Like uh, two partners kind of agree to that, but I like clinically, I would want to see like, how do you see this playing out? Like, Mm -hmm. let's characterize this, like take me six months down the road, you know, and like, what does this look like? How are you feeling? Is this feeling equitable to you still? Is this feeling like, you know, a relationship you want to be in still, Right. you know, are you feeling welcomed home into the, like at night? Are you, you know, yes. Yeah. And help them like 
understand the consequences of like the choices they make. Right. And revisit whether or not it's working instead of we're just in this cycle and this is just what we do. And, you know, um, whether it's working or not, <laughs> you know, right, 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 right. I know. And if it's not working, that's okay. You could right. always change. Yes. Yeah. Well, Kara, this has been such a good discussion. I'm excited. I, there's much more I want to talk to you about with the book. Um, listeners, I want you to know that we're going to have a second part to this podcast. Again, the book is Baby Bomb by Kara Hoppy and Stan Tatkin. And please join us next week as we continue this discussion. Thank you for your time thus far, Kara. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Attachment Theory in Action. Please follow our site, tkcchaddock.org, or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or Podbean for future podcasts. If you enjoyed our podcast, please leave a review and share with your professional network. For additional resources, training opportunities, and blogs, please log on to tkcchaddock.org. We hope you'll join us again as we continue to explore the world of adoption, trauma, and attachment theory.